0: Brant brought up a copy of my book. I have some copies in the back. This is a book that I wrote. Um, came out last year. Uh, Pastor Sam has a copy. Sam, three out of five, four out of five. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't finished the book. He bought it. He's just trying to patronize me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so it's in the back. Uh, you know, I'll talk a little bit about this, maybe allude to it. It's called Deal With It, How to Stop Running from People, Problems, and Pressure. It's not written in Christianese. It's a book for a general audience, but it will help every believer and every non-believer to think about how am I handling not only the difficult situations in my life, but how am I communicating with those around me? And um, it's really, I believe, God's heart when he talked to his disciples and gave them a lot of very difficult instructions. One of those was how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times 70 a day was the answer, 490 times a day. So, wow. Uh, he also said go to your brother if there's any offense that you think is between you and your brother. He didn't say if you're upset with your brother. He said if your brother is upset with you or your sister, then you go to that person. So he wants us to be proactive in resolving conflict and disputes. And you know, a lot of these principles They didn't start there. They go back all the way to actually Leviticus chapter 19 that God told the people of Israel. He said that, why should you hate your brother and be a murderer in your heart? Wow. So we often think, oh, Jesus, you know, he talks about anger being the same as murder in the heart. See, Jesus had a higher standard than the law. What the law serves as a purpose to do is show us that we're all guilty, we're in need of a savior and jesus establishes this higher bar that no human being could possibly meet it's not just outward sin and it's funny because you know people say oh you know the burden is so high and it's so hard but john tells us that we love him we keep his commandments his commandments are not burdensome and we walk in this thing that jesus has fulfilled in the law and even paul says according to the law i was blameless blameless And remember the rich young ruler, he came to Jesus and he said, I've done all these. I've kept all the commandments from my youth. And it says Jesus loved him. So it's possible in a measure to follow through that law. But inside the heart, very, very, very difficult. Not possible, right? Difficult. So that's why we're in need of a Savior. So this book is not about setting a bar That God didn't set and saying, this will make you a good person or a better person. No, no. God wants us to walk as vessels of love. And we need to be able to meditate and think about that. We need to not lower the bar because we've been forgiven. We need to say, by your grace, help me to live like you. Help me to be like you. See, he became like us so that we could become like him. As he is, so are we in this world. So as we strive to become like him, we don't say, I'm going to do this all in my own strength. We say that by your grace, through your spirit. See, the father of non something called nonviolent communication was a psychologist, and he spent his whole life studying uh, how can we talk to people, and on and on and on from a psychological perspective. What are the different techniques? And at the end of the day, his entire life was wrapped up in this, and as he was dying, he said, the truth is that... It is a spiritual matter, it's a spiritual matter. Now he didn't define it as a Christian matter or you know some other religion, but he he understood that when we talk about attitude, the word attitude means essence, it means spirit. And I talk a lot about these concepts in this book because my hope was that for those Christians that are out there that are getting tripped up by every little everyday thing, that they can begin to reflect on why is this happening? And it's funny, you know, I had some people who, close friends, I said, oh, I've got a little trick up my sleeve. You know, I've got a little trick up my sleeve. I wrote a book about communication, but in the book, I slipped apart in the middle. That's going to get people to examine their beliefs and you know some people say why did you why did you put that? Why did you put that in there? The idea is that everything you do stems from a belief all behavior comes from a belief It's the person that we believe ourselves to be that affects the actions and the outcomes that we see in our life and you know I'm going to talk a little bit today in my message probably about memories But I touch on memories in this book. And memories are something extremely powerful. You know, a memory has a physical footprint in your brain. A memory has uh, emotions that are tied to it. And out of memories, which really, when we say memories, we're thinking about experiences that we have had in something that we've experienced. Out of memories comes a conclusion, right? Everything that happens, we draw conclusions from it. Somebody says something to us, we conclude, oh, it's because they like me, or they don't like me, or because I did this, or because I did that, or because I am this, or because I am that, right? Uh, short person syndrome, right? You know, you know vertically challenged, right? And, you know, and then people say, oh, they treat me like this because I'm short, right? They, they may have this perspective, right? Or we, we, we see tall people in leadership. My wife and I were having this conversation. You know, we see people that are really tall in a lot of leadership positions, right? And so we make these judgments, and these people themselves make judgments about how they've been treated. And unfortunately, they establish a line of thinking that can be hard to shift. So this book examines these underlying beliefs. I'm speaking in generic terms here, but... If a person believes that everyone's out to get them, they're gonna be hostile, right? If a person's been hurt before and wounded, they're gonna be defensive. So that was me. I was very, very hurt as a, young, as a young boy by some of my friends, you know? And uh, you, know, you, you might think this sounds crazy, but I uh, was involved in a contest that it was a fundraiser. And through this fundraiser, I said, oh, they had all these rewards. I like rewards. Anybody like rewards? I like, God likes rewards too. God is a reward giving God. Did you know that? Those who come to him must believe he is, and he is a rewarder. So God knows how to motivate. (laughs) I like rewards. So they were giving away, yeah, you know, tell you how old I am. They were giving away Sony Walkman. yeah, you know, okay. I was just a little boy and, uh, you know, I was kind of shy. And I went out to everybody in my neighborhood for this fundraiser and, you know, raised a bunch of money. And, wow, you know, I won this award. And so then I said, well, I can do this again next year and win more awards. So next year I did it. And, you know, my parents, they they said, hey, you know, you can go a little further. You can go to the next neighborhood. And the next neighborhood, when I went to all those neighborhoods, they said, hey, do you want us to drive you to other neighborhoods? So they drove me to these other neighborhoods, you know. And then... I was going to businesses. The bottom line is I won this award. I I was actually named citizen of the year in my hometown as a young boy, uh, actually in the region by the free press. And you know, so guess what happens? All these people didn't like me that I went to school with because I was publicly honored. And so because of that, I became, you know, uh, a target. Anybody know the story of Joseph? Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of, probably a lot of beliefs that I think, you know, caused me to become defensive, okay, uh, at certain points. But this book is, is a culmination of a long journey of overcoming a number of beliefs and issues and behavior patterns that I had. That it's like God came into my life and transformed my heart, but in my mind, there was still some work that needed to be done. See, that's why he says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says that we need to do this daily. We've got to remember. We've got to have the new memories replace the old memories. We've got to overwrite the hard drive. That's why we've been given the Holy Spirit to live on the inside, to remind us of all things that Jesus said and to tell us of things to come. So I'm going to be talking today, really, you know, I may use the story of Joseph just as a basis for me to talk about the Christian perspective. What does it really mean? And I'm going to put this down. But what does it really mean to have a Christian worldview? And it's a huge topic. It's not anything that we can accomplish in in a and. 34 minutes 33 and a half minutes okay but it is something that we should be thinking about constantly continually over and over and over and over again and God wants us to have a basis for how we should interpret the reality around us and that basis is not based on that reality that's really the bottom line see in the midst whatever the song was in the midst of my afflictions you know what is it your afflictions eclipsed by glory Afflictions eclipsed by glory was the song we just heard. Oh, how he loves me. See, the thing is, is that when afflictions come, difficulty come, what will we think about ourselves, about the world around us, about why we're here, about our God? You know, these are the challenges. So I'm going to read you a verse. I'm going to read you a couple verses here uh, out of 2 Timothy, okay, Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and uh, verse nine. Okay. So Second Timothy one nine. Who brings a physical Bible to to church? Anybody bring a physical Bible? Yeah, raise your hands. Yeah, I know it's it's kind of old school, right? To have a to have a book, you know, you know. But one, I'm talking about memories. One of the things about having a book is that there's some form of tactile feedback. I can touch it and feel it, and I can even remember where I've marked it and written it. And not just from, you know, because you, you can highlight in your tablet, but something happens. I'm, I'm interacting with the book, right? So I have a physical Bible. That's one of the reasons why. Okay. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose? Purpose. Say Purpose. Purpose. We think a lot about plan, we hear all the time, God has a plan. And God has a plan, he has an end. When we think of plan, we tend to think of A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z, Z is the end. But God has an A, and he has a Z. And that is something that can mess people up, because we want to see all of the steps, we want to understand all of the steps, but from a human perspective, God started with Z and then went to A. You understand? It's like a movie that you see where a person, you know, they're telling the story, and in the movie there's a crisis, and you're saying, oh my gosh, you know, they're gonna die, they're gonna die, they're gonna die, but you know they're not gonna die because how could they be telling the story if they're dead? Wouldn't make sense, right? But you're pretty sure they're gonna die. Well, welcome to God's plan <laughs> because you don't know the middle. You know the end, possibly, okay? Well, there's an end in the book. We know the end. God has a plan, yes. He has a purpose is probably a better sense of putting it. He has an idea. He has an outcome. There's going to be an end result that's going to show up, and everything's going to be the way he wanted. He says in Isaiah 14, verse 24, Surely as I have purposed, it shall come to pass, and as I have thought, so shall it be. Right? So he Starts it after he finishes it. He finishes it first. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world was laid. He was crucified 2,000 years ago, but he was slain. Okay? So he's called us, saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Hallelujah. So God's plan, God's purpose for our life is really the primary thing that we need to grapple with. See, if we're going to have any kind of a life of success, uh, and success I use in a general sense of the word, but if we're going to have any kind of an understanding or meaning in our life, we have to begin to ask, why am I here? We have to begin to ask, who am I and what am I here for? So now I'm going to just read you a couple of verses. I'm going to just go to uh, Genesis and I'm going to go to chapter 37 and I'm going to give you an introduction to Joseph. Joseph is a young boy, 17 years old, and Genesis chapter 37, verse 2, if you want to go with me. Genesis 37, 2, this is the history of Jacob, period. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with his brothers. Verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. Verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more, they hated him. Verse 5, now Joseph had a dream and told it. Verse 9, then he dreamed another dream and told it. Now you may know these dreams. These dreams, Joseph gets a glimpse of something that he is trying to understand. You know, the first dream, he tells them, hey, we were out in the field. We were working. We were all bound up some sheaves of wheat. And your sheaves bowed down to my sheave. And they said, well, wheat? shall we buy down to you? Are you going to be greater than us? Then he had another dream, and in the dream, the sun and the stars bowed down to him. And, you know, it was the same number of his family. And he told everyone, his parents, his dad said, shall your mother and I bow down to you? Why are you crazy? Are you insane? You know? Yeah. And he had this beautiful coat that dad made for him, you know? And uh, you know, it's because dad loved him, dad gave him this coat, right? Well, so it doesn't take long before these conniving brothers who hate him, right? They plot a plan against him, and they're about to kill him. And suddenly the oldest, Reuben, intervenes and says, let's not kill him. Let's, you know, sell him. But he just didn't want him to die, right? So they throw him in this pit. They sell him. He becomes a slave. He goes to Egypt, becomes a slave, all right? He's doing well as a slave. In fact, he's doing fantastic as a slave, it's interesting, you know, because he, his brothers are saying, hey, we're going to ruin his life, right, in, in a sense. And he's thinking, my life is ruined, okay? But God has put something on the inside of Joseph. See, they took the coat, actually, when they threw him in the pit, and they tore the coat up in pieces, and they put some blood, and they said, send it back to dad and say, is this your son's coat? And he said, oh, some beast has torn my son, okay? Okay? They thought, or it appears, you know, that sometimes when things happen on the outward, in the circumstances, that life is over, right? How is God's plan going to come to pass in my life? And interestingly enough, Joseph goes to Potiphar, and he begins to work in, in this man's house as a slave. And it's only a short matter of time before he's running the entire house. And this guy was a big shot. He was a big deal, so it was a big house. And Joseph even says, There is nothing in this house that my master has not withheld from me. He says that to Potiphar's wife because she says, Hey, let's get together, you and me. And he says, No, I can't. Because how can I do such a great sin before God and before my master? How can I do such a great sin before God? He had this awareness. See, he wasn't bitter, he was better. He wasn't bitter, he was better. And because he does this thing where he says no to Potiphar's wife, she falsely accuses him, and he gets thrown in prison. So now he was doing well as a slave, but now he's in the dungeon. You know, he's in a special prison, the king's prison, right? So this is the people that the king personally wants to throw in prison. He's in that prison because this guy he worked for was an officer of the king. So he's in the prison, but it's only a short matter of time before he's in charge of the prison. You see? God has given each and every one of us certain gifts, certain callings, certain unique qualities and capabilities, and these are the things that hint to, point to, become a reference point for what we need to do in our life, and you know, so often people think, oh, I've got a gift for this or that, and they don't do much with it, but see, what God has in his plan for Joseph is he has opportunities for Joseph's gifts to be developed, Joseph thinks maybe that he's just a sufferer. I don't know what he thinks. He doesn't really say much, except please get me out of this dungeon later in this one place. Okay. But while he's there, he's working on something. His status wasn't the fact that he was just the son of his father's old age. And it wasn't just this beautiful coat that dad gave him. And it wasn't the the rich because Jacob was a man who was very rich. It wasn't the fact that he came from a wealthy family because all that had been taken away. Everything on the outside had been taken away so that everything on the inside could be revealed. Peter says, you wives, submit yourselves to your husband. Don't let it be the outward person, purely adorned with gold and the ranging of hair and fine jewelry, but rather let it be the inner beauty Of a gentle and kind spirit that shines forth. So, we as the church, we're that wife. We're the wife. Okay? We're the wife. We're the wife. See, I'm a man, but in a sense, I'm the bride, right? We collectively are the bride of Christ. We are that wife. And God is looking for something that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, Paul says. So he's wanting to extract the good thing that he's deposited in us, which is the Holy Spirit, which are the gifts and the callings, which is the uniqueness. Too often people are concerned with the fact that they're different. And what you don't realize is that what makes you different is what makes you valuable. It's your unique factor that makes you more valuable. It's what's different about you that actually makes you special. Remember Axl Rose? Anybody? No? Yeah. Weird, uh, a crazy voice, right? Not a beautiful voice. What about um, what's it? Rod Stewart? Rod Stewart, or the Boss? Who's that? What's his name? Boss? The Boss? Bruce Springsteen, right? James James Earl Jones. Um, the Trump, the guy that blows the trumpet. Ah, I see these guys. These guys, are Louis Armstrong, right? But very unique voices. Very different people. Nobody would think that Axel Rose should be an acclaimed singer, I wouldn't say. I mean, he's got a very raspy voice, right? Rod Stewart, these people, right? And yet, I don't know what's unique about you. I don't. But I do know that that very thing that's unique about you is what's important. It's what's valuable. God wants to use it. Now, not just our unique qualities and attributes, right? He wants us to develop character. And it says in Psalm 105, verse 19, that God was working on Joseph's character, that Joseph was tested until the time that his prediction came true, that the word of the Lord tested Joseph until it came to pass. And so Joseph's character is being marked and refined. And there's this interesting story that happens while he's in the prison where He's taking care of the prisoners, and a butler and a baker come in, and most of you know the story. And the thing that I always go back to in this story is the fact that here's Joseph in prison. He's waiting on these people. It says that he served them. He was waiting on them. And he came to the morning, and they went in their room, and it says they were sad. And Joseph said, oh, why are your faces looking so sad? Okay, first of all, these people were racist. They said the Hebrew is a slave. We won't eat with Hebrews, you see? Second of all, the Hebrews in their prison, falsely accused, you see? This is how you know you have victory. This is what freedom is really all about. This is where Jesus says, turn the other cheek. If somebody asks you to walk a mile, ask you go ahead and walk too, right? If anybody wants your shirt... Give him your cloak also, right? This is what the challenges of the Christian life. It's how we identify what does it mean to be successful. What is the right thing to do? What is a win? See, the rest of the world has an idea of what's a win. It's not giving away your clothes. It's getting new clothes. It's not giving away your money. It's getting money. It's not serving somebody. It's getting them to serve you, right? It's not being low, it's being up. That's why Paul says, I've learned to be content in all things, whether I abase or whether I abound. Whether I'm here in this prison writing a letter. I'm excited because I know this. Because I know these afflictions are temporary. And because there's a weight of glory that's being revealed. That's being revealed because I'm not walking by the things that I see, but I'm walking by the unseen realm. I'm walking with a different perspective And you know what? The thing is, is that when we get there, see, there's the end, the end to this thing. We're going to come to a position and a place at the end, right? The Bible says heaven's going to be rent. The Lord is going to descend with a shout, right? We're going to go through all of these many, many, many steps to this place of an end, and there's going to be a throne, an eminent throne that we're all going to stand before, and we're going to be judged We're going to be the living and the dead are going to be raised and we're going to be judged. And at that point, what are we going to remember? What is he going to remember? What are we going to wish we had done? This life is just a blip on the radar screen. It's just an instant. It's just a flyby. It's just a moment in time. But we are going to spend eternity reaping rewards based on the things that we do here, the choices that we do here. And it's not easy because every day, every single day, we need to be reminded of why we are here. And we're not here for ourselves. We're here for the Lord. We're here for God. We are the children of his love. We are those children of his love. He made the angels first. Wasn't happy. Go figure. Hey, what do you give a guy that's got everything? I was reading, uh, I was re- I was reading Ezekiel, okay, with my daughter. And we're, you know, I said, we're talking about what does God look like, right? So you can read in Ezekiel chapter 1, you know. God appears in this chariot, right? This whirlwind of fire comes flying in, right? You never see anybody that's driving crazy and fast, big dust born. Remember uh, Wind in the Willows, toad? Anybody know that I'm talking about? Classic children's tale? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. This madman, whoa, king of the cosmos, shows up in a whirlwind of fire. Oh, my gosh. You know what I'm saying? And he's got this car that has wheels inside of the wheels, and the wheels have eyes inside of them. And it's got these living creatures on each corner with six wings, you know? And they have four heads. I mean, what do you get the guy that has everything? It says that above them, okay, the floor, you know, like maybe in your car you got a carpet. I think they used to make cars with wood panels in them, some of them, on the bottom, on the floor. A little slippery. Sapphire. You think you're rich. What do you get the guy that has everything? What do you do? What do you do? You know? And and, and, and the car, no steering wheel needed. You think you got AI? Forget it. You don't even know what you're talking about. Self-park? You are so lost. You think your car's fast? This car flies in a whirlwind, okay? Four corners of the earth are seated right there at the throne. Anywhere, any moment, any time, any place, any person, the preeminent one is there. God Almighty. But God's not happy with all that stuff. No, no. He wanted dust. Dust. See, the fall was not a fall just to sin. The fall was a fall into the dust. We were in the dust, but we weren't in the dust because the life of God was guiding us. And so the reconciliation of the cross, the blood, is about coming back to what's on the inside. Not an introspective look into self, not implying that. Although there's a lot of people that decry the word self, can't understand the word self. We read today to have the communion, let us examine our self, right? So there's, there is a quality of self that has been redeemed for a purpose. That's the unique part of you that actually God made you to be. Every part of the body is different and yet together they're one body. And we are the body of God in the earth. As the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph's going through all these things, these things, right? And these things are happening, and he's having victory. He's overcoming, right? Because he's clinging to the fact that he knows that there's something that God has for him. And it doesn't matter what it looks like, because he can still serve God in the prison. He can still serve God as a slave. He can still be kind. He can still be like God, even when everything else is awful, right? So this is, this is the journey that we're on. This is the journey that we're on. You know, we're on this journey together, all of us together. And it doesn't matter where anybody is in their particular journey or what the front of life. You know, we read the book in high school, all quiet on the Western front, right? And, and all quiet on the Western front. But yet in the book, they're in the midst of war, in the trenches. And just because it's quiet on one front doesn't mean that the war is not raging somewhere else, We live in an adversarial world, and the thing that the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to take every circumstance and every trick to get us to take our eyes off of why we're here, and to disobey God, and to do the things that we don't even want to do. He wants, he's a master manipulator. I don't like the word suffering, okay? Okay, but, and Peter tells us, he said that, you know, the devil, he's like a roaring lion. Okay? Okay? And he's going round about, seeking whom he may devour. And he says in the next verse, but don't be concerned. Your brothers and your sisters in the world are all enduring the same suffering. I said, oh, God, I hate that word, suffering. You know, suffering. I don't like that word. So I said, I looked it up. Maybe, maybe, Maybe it's more intricate than I think. You know? But the suffering word means to be acted upon with strong emotion. That's the primary meaning of the word, suffering. To be acted upon with strong emotion. And that's why emotions are such a problem. And that's what I deal with in my book, actually. One of the things I deal with. See, emotions aren't good indicators of whether something is going okay. Emotions are the things that are supposed to follow the decisions that you make. And those decisions, if they're good, will produce a good result. See, people actually, you know... (laughs) We're talking about self again. But people don't like the word self-esteem. How do I feel based on my accomplishments? The problem is that we've made those accomplishments the wrong accomplishments. It's not a big car and it's not a big applause and it's not, it's living consistently with God's moral law. It's knowing who I am and being true to who I am because of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. It doesn't matter if Joseph did the right thing and ended up in prison because, in his heart, he still won. See, that's what it is to base your self esteem correctly, to understand that. And even if you blow it, you can simply look at yourself and say, Oh my, I am frail, I am weak. It's an opportunity for you to turn again. And you know, I I I think there's a time and a place for despondent prayer. There's a time and a place, but it's not every time and every place. Some people only have that kind of a prayer all the time, 24/7. It's all they got. Love sick, you know? God's always at arm's length. And you know, God doesn't want to be always at arm's length. He wants to be always on the inside. He is on the inside. The difference is what are we conscious of? I say that to contrast the word despondent with the word dependent, because you can have God on the inside and be dependent, despondent being without help, but the help is already here, you see? All right, who's tracking with me? Yeah? Okay. So, who am I? Why am I here? All right? God has us here for a purpose because he loves us. He said, I want an affair. The guy who has everything, he made an entire family out of dust. Because he said, I'm not satisfied with just the spiritual world. I'm going to create this whole other thing, this physical earth, time and space. And I'm going to fill that thing with myself. And you and I are supposed to be that himself, that reflection of himself. Right? Right? So we're here, and we're here, for, we're, here, we're here for a temporary basis in this circumstance, okay? And in this circumstance, we have to figure out how do we navigate, how do we obtain the right perspective, and there's only one real way to do that, and that's to keep coming back to God. It's to keep coming back to him and to his word and to have our reality and our interpretation of the facts framed by the word of God. And so that's the process that we go through. That's the process that Joseph is in in the midst of the prison. He's in this process of trying to reconcile who he is and and these dreams that he's been given, those dreams that are in his heart. And you know the story. In the right moment, God, there's an opportunity. He interprets the dreams for these two people, okay? And then he's in prison for another two years, okay? And finally, Pharaoh has a dream. Finally, there's a crisis. Finally, there's an opportunity, Joseph's promotion is not actually... I don't see Joseph's promotion as the moment he comes out of prison to interpret Pharaoh's dream. His real promotion came when he went into prison. (laughs) One of his real promotions. Okay? He did the right thing. God said, I'm going to promote you to the next level. You know, Joseph spent time underground. Jesus spent time underground. Jesus came down and became like us so that we could become like him. And we're here in this place of trying to figure out what it is day by day. That's the seasons. Those are the seasons that Joseph went through. He gets this opportunity. He comes out. You know the deal. He doesn't have any problem to interpret Pharaoh's dream because he's been practicing. He's been practicing. He's been practicing in prison He's been practicing with strangers. Okay. So, I don't know what you're working on, but I would encourage you, you think sometimes the things that you do don't have any effect, and that's just not true. The things that we do every day, those are the things that matter most. Those are the things that define us as a a person, and those are the things that we're going to, at some point, we're going to reflect back on and realize that what matters to God isn't always what matters to me. What The the little things that we do. Benjamin Franklin, you know, wrote a book and, uh, well, he wrote the Farmer's Almanac, but he wrote a a number of things and he used to ask himself every day, what what good have I done today? In the morning, what good will I do today? And the end of every day, what good have I done today? See, let a man so consider us, Paul says, stewards, and let each one examine themselves and test themselves and try themselves and see if they are even in the faith. So it's this Memory, this remembering every day why we are here and thinking about it, that becomes the key. So Joseph doesn't have any big problem interpreting Pharaoh's dream. And not only that, because he's been administrating in prison, running the prison, running Potiphar's house, he was working in the field. He already has the solution when he interprets the dream. He already says, Oh, this is no big deal for us to store up all this grain. Why? Because the guy was a professional manager. He already had an MBA, but not from Harvard. Right? So, lastly, he gets out, he gets promoted. He gets this beautiful position. He's in charge of all of Egypt. He's like the prime minister of Egypt. And he he, he marries a woman, and he has two children, and he names the first Manasseh, and the second... Ephraim you know and here's the thing when he has that child he names him Manasseh he says for the Lord has caused me to forget because Manasseh means forget he's caused me to forget all the affliction of my father's house and all my labor and all my toil you see God heals his memory even though he made it out of the big house into the big house He went from one big house to the other big house. There were still some things that needed to be fixed. There's still some things. So I'm going to give you a couple quick points because we have a couple quick minutes. So when you're going through difficulty, David says, you know, he says, uh, Psalm 42 actually he says, that as they pass through the valley of Baca, they will turn it into a wilderness. So the word Baca means weeping. So when we go through these times of uncertainty, of difficulty, you know, how will we turn this valley of weeping? It says that they turn it into an abundant place with springs of water and the rain also covers it. So he says that basically by their posture, these people, it says, blessed is the man whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. So he passes through this valley of weeping, times of difficulty, he will turn it into a wilderness. He will cause pools of water to come up and water to come down. See, how will we cause the water to come up? and the water, How will we turn the mess into a place where God is working? David says, uh, well, actually, it's the sons of Korah, Psalm 84. He says, I will remember you from the heights of Hermon from the hill Mazar, from the plain of Jordan. Now, presumably, these could all be positive memories, but the thing that they have in common is that he remembers God in every place. He remembers God in every place. It's his focus that determines how he feels. It's his focus that causes him to have the motivation, the ability to go go forward. So every day, I, I would say, you know, that every day we should start by framing our day, by spending time with God, in the Word of God, and reflecting on why we are here. And you're here to be a carrier of His glory. You're here to be an emissary of the King. You're here to turn a place that's difficult. You're here to solve problems. You're here to comfort those that are in need. When we do that, (laughs) we automatically find our comfort. You know, there was some time here in the Word uh, that I, I got from the Lord, and I shared quite a while back. But, you know, I remember it distinctly, the Lord said that as you become my hand, my hand will come to you. See, as you reach out, so we have to take the focus off of our own self in terms of our situation and understand that we can do unto another to do unto the Lord. So as we sow to the Lord by sowing to one another, that's how every day we will win. Number two, we have to have an idea of the big picture, the arc of our life. We have to examine what are the gifts, talents, and the things that God has given me? What are the dreams? What are the signposts? What are the message? What is the thread that God has been weaving throughout my existence? What is it he's trying to tell me? You know, God can speak through anything. I was talking about Roxanne, the song, God Spoke to Me in the Gym. And the thing is, is that too often, we're not bringing this stuff to God, and we're not trying to interpret it. Now, we don't need to go to the things of the world to get a message, but God can speak through anything. And every living thing represents him, right? The heavens declare his glory, Psalm 19 says. There's a song in Brazil that became very famous. My wife's from Brazil. And and this man, he said, every beat of my heart calls your name. He wrote this song. Every beat of my heart calls your name. A friend of mine came one time and he was ministering at a group. And he said, you know, God spoke to him. He was frying an egg. And God said, see that? See what? That sound of the egg frying, that pop. That's me. I did that. See, God is everywhere. So we have to begin to interpret the signposts that he's put in our life. Who are the people that he's put around us? What is the community that we're in? What are the needs that need to be met? What are the needs that need to be met? See, Joseph had an anointing, right? The coat that he was wearing represents the anointing. The anointing was something that they would smear oil on a priest, and uh, they would pour oil on a king, and they would say, God has picked you, chosen you. This is a recognition of what God has decided for you to fulfill a position or a role or to do something. And it was recognized that if God had done it, he would also capacitate them to do it. This is the second point. The First is bringing God into every day, big picture. The second is understand that it's not your your ability that determines what you can do it's his ability in you paul says i can do all things and here's the thing this is where most people get it so messed up they think that god will just do all things but that's not what it says in philippians 4:13 he says i can do all things smith wigglesworth famous evangelist he said once you've been given the holy ghost it's an insult to ask god for power you know, Jesus said that in Acts chapter 1, he said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, anointed you, you will receive power. So the Holy Spirit is the source of power that we need to accomplish. See, he called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but grace. Right? Remember that? Second Timothy 1.9 at the beginning. Grace. Grace is not just unmerited favor. It's enabling power. Grace is the gift. It's the charis gift of the Holy Spirit coming to you so that you can do the things that God has called you to do. And you can be dependent without being despondent. You can take action knowing that the one who lives in you is greater than the one who lives in the world. Who is the one that believes, who has overcome, but the one who believes, John says. So the anointing that you've received, John tells us, lives in you. He lives in you, right? This is. Some kind of a game. I don't play games, but I've seen the ads. Resident Evil, Resident God. Resident Nuclear Force Field Power Source. You know what I'm saying? You know, remember the Black Panther? That she put the whole suit in the necklace. Uh, uh, Iron Man, he put the whole thing inside the thing. It just, right? That's, you get the whole Superman, whatever it is, already there. The only way it's activated, though, is, is, is instantly, you know, instant, you know, funny enough, right, if you look at the Old Testament, the way that these things happen is that there's a need that needs to be met. There's a need to be met. The anointing is to break yokes. you got to go where the yokes are. <laughs> you got to be able to discern the yokes if you want your anointing to function. So number one, understand why you're here every day. Reflect on it. Bring God into it. Number two, understand how you're going to accomplish it. You have to do something. But as you do it, you're not doing it on your own ability. You're relying on Him. You're relying on Him. Okay? All right? And it's 11 o'clock. So I'm going to stop there, actually. I'm going to actually park at 11 o'clock. Yeah, because that's that's the time we're over. So I want to invite you to stand with me because I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to pray and I want you to pray with me but you know the thing is is that life is fun when we understand why we're here we don't have to have it all figured out to begin working it out we don't need to know all the details we might know A and we might know Z and that might be enough amen so praise the Lord lift up your hands with me Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for bringing me here into this earth in such a time as this. Help me to understand my place. Help me to understand who I am. Show me who you've made me to be. Lord, that I can be a contributor, that I can be a force for good, that I can meet needs, that I can operate in the anointing, that I can walk out the life and the calling that you have called me with. Lord, it's a calling that's going to glorify you. It's to be your body. It's to meet the needs of those that, Lord, are going to join this body and become a part of your plan. Father, we receive grace right now. Grace and understanding, Lord, that in the time of need, Lord, that we will be able to act not only on our power, but to recognize your power that flows within us. Coursing through our veins. Make us more aware of you. Make us aware of the power and the plan that you have for us. Lord, and even as we frame each day, help us, Lord. Draw our heart deep into your word. Make the words plain. Make them food, strength, health. Make them instruction that we may carry out your good good will. Let your will be done, Father. Let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, I bless this house. I bless my brothers and sisters. I pray, Lord, now that you remove every shackle, that you remove all false beliefs. Lord, that you help identify those beliefs and remove them, Lord, from every heart and every mind, Lord. That you come, Lord, here in a new way, Lord, in a way of changing the way we think, shifting our perspective. We bless Jesus.